You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Pastor, thank you for letting us come and give a report to the church. Uh, I, I was talking to my wife while we were sitting over there, and the fact is, uh, you know, sometimes I have, to, I have to remind her, and she reminds me, and together we remember. Separate, we're total forgetters. <laughs> but we were sitting over there talking, and the fact is, is that we were here, this church took us on in 2010, and we were here for the mission conference that year. And that particular year, we stayed with Pastor Spencer and his family at his ha- and his wife at their house. In 2015, we stayed with the Burns, Scott and Krista Burns. Uh, and that was at, their, uh, uh, at the mission conference in 2015. But we were here on deputation. We were here on deputation. And we were just two young kids. I look at pictures of us when we were on deputation. I'm like, how in the world did anybody support us? Wow, it looked like two teenagers going out. Uh, but we were here on deputation in the other building. The church was not able to take us on during, at that time. And so we were not able to come back until 2010. But we did come back in 1990. That would have been in 93 or 94. So Pastor Hey, long time ago. That was back when I was like three years old. Okay. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, open them to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. My, has COVID changed the world? Has it changed your world? You personally. How many of you have had something, one of your plans changed because of COVID? Yeah, just about everybody. Planning a trip, mission trip, vacation. That didn't work out. Maybe health issues because of COVID. Maybe an unfortunate death in the family because of COVID. I know that COVID has wreaked havoc on this world. And in in one way or another, either directly or indirectly, uh, people's lives have been changed, their plans have been changed this year. But did you know that Plan changes are nothing new in this world. They're nothing new to God. And they're not new in this world. If you read through the Bible, you'll you'll read and you'll learn that the Bible is a book of plan changes. It's a book of plan changes, is it not? I mean, Joseph and Mary weren't doing anything wrong when they were engaged to get married. They were doing everything right. Then the angel showed up and their plans were changed. But aren't you glad their plans were changed? Yes, Yes, I am. The Apostle Paul was another one in the Bible who had his plans changed on the road to Damascus. He was not doing something right. He was going to kill people like you and me. But God showed up on the road to Damascus and changed his plans. Aren't you glad God changed Paul's plans? And so tonight, the passage that we're going to read tonight is about plan changes. And I've entitled the message tonight, Steps to Surrender When God Changes 
our plans. Steps to surrender when God changes our plans. If you would stand as we read these verses, chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. Chapter 16, verses 6 through 10 of Acts. And the Bible says this, And when, now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Father, speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, we need to hear your voice in our lives and our hearts. And I ask you, Father, we ask you, Lord, that you would do tonight what only you can do. And that is to work in our hearts, to transform lives, to burden hearts, Father. And I just pray, Lord, that Jesus would be glorified and honored, for it's in his name that we pray and ask this. Amen. Amen. Thank you, folks, for reading along with us and, and praying with us there. Let me ask you a question. Was Paul doing something wrong again when God changed his plans? I mean, if you read the passage, there in verse 6, it says that, that they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. And then again in verse 7, it says, but the Spirit suffered them not or allowed them not to do it. Now, when my girls were growing up and I uh, forbade them from doing something, it's usually because they were doing something that was dangerous for them. Or it was doing something that was wrong. Or if I suffered them not. Of course, I, I can imagine using that kind of language with my daughters. You know, daughter, I suffer you not. You know, I mean, but, you know, it, it went, if I ever suffered my daughters to not do something, it's generally because they were doing something wrong. Yeah. It was doing something dangerous. Like maybe crossing the street without holding my hands. You know, I mean, one time I was... At a swimming at our our swimming pool at our camp there in in Brazil, and I had Stacy. She was about uh, a year or two. She had started to walk, and she was you know how kids are when they first start to walk. They want to go everywhere, and uh, we were at the edge of the swimming pool, and she wanted to jump into Daddy. But I suffered her not. I forbade her not until I was close by, and I said, Stacy, I'm gonna. Leave you here, and I'm going to go right here, and I'm going to step, take two steps back. Don't jump until I turn around. So I turned around, and I heard a plop right behind me. And I turned around, and I was trying to keep her safe. But, boy, she just wanted to go forward. She went straight to the bottom of the pool. And I remember looking down at her eyes, looking up at me like, What happened? You know, I pulled her up and she was fine. But I was trying to help her to, to stay safe. Was Paul doing something wrong here? I mean, what was he doing when the Holy Spirit forbade him from going? He was preaching. He was preaching. And, and you know, when Paul got saved, he was a very determined man. Uh, he was determined 
to preach Christ and him alone. That's what he said. He says, I determined to not do anything among you, but preach Christ and him crucified. So Paul was a very determined man and he wanted to preach the gospel everywhere he went. And so he wasn't doing anything wrong here. He, he was going into Asia to preach the gospel and the Holy Spirit said no. And then in the next verse, he, he continued, he changed directions a little bit and he was going down to Mysia and into Bithynia, which was another area there of Asia. And once again, the Holy Spirit said, no, I want you to go this way. So what did Paul do? He went that way and he went down to a little city called Troas and there in Troas he received a vision while he was sleeping at night of a man from Macedonia inviting him and pleading with him to come over into Macedonia to preach the gospel. So Paul the next morning he, he got up and, and he along with his, his uh, partners there they went over into Macedonia. Now anybody here know where Macedonia is? Macedonia is in Greece, right? It's over the area of Greece, Macedonia. But what, what is significant about Macedonia is that that area there was the first stop of the Apostle Paul in Europe. In Europe. Now, how many of us here are descendants of Europeans? We're your descendants of Europeans. And, and listen, folks, I don't know about you, but I'm glad God changed Paul's plans that day. Because Paul took the gospel into Europe and eventually it got to America where you and I now have the gospel. God changed Paul's plans. How could Paul put up with it though? How could Paul actually go, go along with God's plans? And I'm going to tell you why, folks. There's one word. Surrender. So tonight I want you, during the message, I want you to, to think about that word. Surrender. Surrender. Now, there's a lot of different words that we as Christians use in church. We use the word commitment. I want to make a faith promise commitment. I want to commit something to the Lord. That's great. Then we have the word dedicate. I want to dedicate my house. I want to dedicate my family. Or I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. And listen, again, that's good. But I want you to think tonight about the word surrender. And what is the difference between surrender and commitment? What is the difference between surrender and dedication? Uh, I read a book years ago by Adrian Rogers called Kingdom Power. And in this book, he was talking about a trip that he made over to Romania. And in Romania, he was speaking at the time. This was right after the Iron Curtain came down and he was speaking to one of the Romanian pastors over there and he had taken a large group over there to do some evangelization. And so he asked this Romanian pastor, what do you think about American Christianity from what you've been able to see in the short time that everybody's been coming over here? And the Romanian pastor answered him. He said, Pastor Rogers, I, I believe that Americans are dedicated. I believe that Americans are committed, dedicated. And Adrian Rogers said, well, that's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing, right? He said, no, you don't understand. He said, I believe American Christians are dedicated. He said, but during the Iron Curtain, when the communists were ruling over here, dedication wasn't enough. He said, for you to be able to stay faithful to the Lord, you had to be surrendered. You had to be surrendered. You know what the difference is between surrender? Listen, 
Here's what surrender is. If a thief comes in with a gun and puts a gun to your head, you're basically surrendered. You do what he says or he'll maybe kill you. Has that ever happened to you where someone put a, th- a gun to your head? It happened to me, folks, there in our church in, in Brazil. Right after church services, uh, three guys walked in, came right up to the pulpit and put a gun to my head. And he said, this is, a, this is an armed robbery. I said, no, duh, really? And I, I said, really? And he said, sit down. I said, you know what I did? I sat down. Yeah. I mean, he had a gun to my head. Folks, that's what surrender is. And listen, and, I'm not, and, and, and what I'm saying is that there's a difference between just being committed and being surrendered to God. And you know how Paul could go along with God's change plans in his life with his plan changes is because Paul was surrendered to God. So I want to tell you a story. In the early 1900s, there was a young man who, his name was William Borden. Anybody ever heard of William Borden, a missionary? Well, William Borden, he was, he was on a round-the-world trip with uh, his parents had given to him as a graduation present from high school. Any high schoolers here about to graduate? That's a cool present, right? Be able to go around the world. Well, he was traveling around the world, uh, and when he, was, when he was doing that, he became burdened with the spiritual needs of people all around the world, especially the people of China. So he wanted to surrender his life to be a missionary to China. So he wrote back to his parents, and he said, I want to be a missionary to China, and specifically, I want to work with the Arabic-speaking people in China. And so, uh, the people, you know, his friends thought he was, he was crazy, you know, and his parents, of course, he was not, he was going to leave behind a wealthy fortune. His parents were very rich and they had a wealthy business and he was going to leave everything behind for him to spend his life as a missionary. Nevertheless, when he got through with that trip, he came back to the States and he started school. He went to school at Yale and then after Yale, he went to Princeton. Uh, but instead of working in his father's firm, he got on a ship to go to China and on his way to China, he wanted to stop in Egypt so that he could learn the Arabic language, so that he could work with the Arabic-speaking people in China. And while he was in Egypt, he contracted spinal meningitis and died at the age of 25. Never made it to the mission field. His plans were changed. His plans were changed. How do you, how do you go along with that, folks? How do you go along with when God changes your plans? When God changes your plans. And you're thinking, Brother Horton, this isn't a very missionary-minded message, is it? Well, I have news for you. When God changes our plans, it's always to further his kingdom. It's always to further his... It's never just to give you a choice or to go somewhere else or to do something he thinks is cool or something that he thinks is better. It's always to further his kingdom. And God's plan changes our opportunities for his kingdom to be preached. And for his kingdom to be forwarded. And for Christ's fame to be made known in this world. That's why God changes plans in our lives. So how do we go along with it? Number one, according to the passage tonight, why or what do we do when God changes our plans? Number one, recognize God's authority in our lives. Can you, folk, can you stop and imagine for a second how our lives would be different if we recognize God's authority above all else? 
marriage would certainly be better if we, husband and wife, always recognize God as number one. You know, God's authority in our lives. Like it or not, folks, God is sovereign. He is sovereign. He knows what he's doing. He's in control of everything that's going on in this world. He is in control and he has the authority to do with as he pleases. You know, when he went, when, when, when the Job went through all of his suffering and lost everything except for a cantankerous wife, he lost everything. You remember, you remember Job, right? And so, uh, you know, you would think that the theme to the book of Job was, why do good people suffer? When God changes their plans, why do they suffer? But you know, that question is never answered. Instead, you know what, what God does? He spends six chapters, six chapters talking about his own glory, his own power, his own authority over the universe. In other words, telling Job, hey, Job, I am in control here. It is my creation doeth as I want. Listen, God is in authority. Notice what Paul did. He listened to God's voice. Now, we don't know how God came to Paul there in chapter 16, verses 6 and 7. We don't know if it was in a loud voice, if it was through a circumstance, if it was through a rock that fell in the path. We don't know how, but we know this. God was talking to Paul and instructing Paul, and Paul was listening to him. He was listening to God's voice. Listen, you know how, you know how we listen to God's voice today? Right here. Amen. Listen, when God starts changing our plans, this is where we need to be. Yes, sir. We need to be in the word. We don't need to go to, a, to, a, to, to our closest psychologist. Listen, there's nothing wrong with a good Christian psychologist. There's really nothing wrong with it. But we need to go first to God and to his word. Amen. God's word, because he has the answers to what we need in our lives. And when God changes our plans, we need to know what his will is. We need to know where he wants us to do, what he wants us to do, and where he wants us to go. We need to go to the word. But if we're listening to so much other advice and and things that are going on in this world, those things get drowned out. God's word gets drowned out because we're listening to other things. And we're so busy doing other things. In his autobiography, Missionary to the New Hebrid Islands, John Payton, he responded to a member of his own mission in Scotland. His own mission agency in Scotland told, told, told they, they did not want John Payton to go to the New Hebrid Islands because the New Hebrid Islands were full of cannibals at the time. Today, the New Hebrid Islands are called Vanuatu. You might know it's in the South Pacific. And he responded to a member of this mission in Scotland with these words. He said, among many who sought to deter me was one dear old Christian gentleman whose crowning argument always was the cannibals. Mr. Payton, you will be eaten by cannibals. At last I replied, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave there to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it'll make no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms. You know how he could say that? Because he was surrendered. Surrendered. Not only was Paul listening to God's voice, but Paul obeyed God's voice. You know why? Because God was in authority. He recognized God's authority. In verse 10, the Bible says, and after he had seen the vision immediately 
we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Immediately, Paul didn't uh, sit around sending it to committee and to find out what they really thought that he ought to do. Paul interpreted that as God telling him, go over there into Macedonia. And so he obeyed God's voice. How often does God open a door for us and he changes the direction and we disobey him? We disobey and we try to justify it. We say, you know, God, I feel God telling me to, to go to Brazil as a missionary. Any takers? Anyway, God, God, God's telling me to go to Brazil as a missionary. And, and, and then we go home and we start thinking about it. Well, you know, I, I think it was just an emotional reaction to what Brother Horton was saying. Maybe the video was just really good and I need to really rethink this. You know, a lot of times we talk ourselves out of doing God's will just because of our emotions. We think that it was an emotional difficulty. Sometimes we're just not listening. But I want you to know, folks, that when God tells us and he changes our plans, we need to be ready to listen and obey because he is the authority. God's commands and his commission to preach the God is to preach the gospel in all the world. And that is at the, at the beginning and the end of every single day that we live is to preach the gospel. And when God changes our plans, I can tell you this much, folks, it has something to do with his kingdom. It has something to do with making Christ known in our lives. If we come down sick with something, it's not just an accident, folks. It has because God wants to be known. God wants to be known in our lives. So we need to recognize his authority. Number two. Number two. How do we surrender when God changes our plans? Recognize God's wisdom in our lives. Not only recognize God's authority, but recognize God's wisdom. Anybody here smarter than God? Anybody here, I guess, no one's going to raise their hand there, huh? God is wise. He knows what he's doing. And he has a purpose. He has a purpose. And his purpose has to do with his kingdom. You know why I keep saying that and why I keep touching on that? Because you know why God leaves us here on this earth, folks? You know why God saves us and doesn't just rapture us up to heaven like Elisha? Or Elijah, you know why he does that? Because he has a purpose for his kingdom and we're a part of that. So when God changes our plans, it has to do with making himself known in this world and, and to make his kingdom known. And so we need to recognize that God has a purpose. He is wise. When he changes our plans, we need to understand that he has better plans. And when he changes our timing, it's because he has better timing. After all, he is God. Look at the Apostle Paul. Why was Paul prohibited, for instance, from preaching to the Asians? Were the Europeans any more worthy to hear the gospel than the Asians? No, they weren't. But look at the doors that God opened for Paul when he obeyed God's authority. This is, shows you God's wisdom. Look at the doors that God opened. Paul went over there into Troas, into the city of Troas. When God redirected Paul, he went to Troas. And, and that night in Troas, Paul had a vision. I, I, I'm here to tell you, folks, if Paul had gone on into Asia, you know what he would have done in Asia? 
he would have preached. He would have preached, but he never would have received the Macedonian call. I am convinced that Paul would not have received the Macedonian call. I believe he received it right there in Troas because he was obeying God's voice. But there he received the Macedonian call and he went over into Europe. God is wise and God opens doors. God opened the door to Europe. Not only that, but then Paul went over there and he went, the first city he went to was Philippi. And so what happened, what happened to Paul in Philippi? First rattle out of the box. He started preaching. He went to jail. Went to jail. Went to, I mean, God messed up, right? No, God was getting ready to open another door. At midnight, God opened the door to the jail. And Paul won a man who was a jailer to the Lord. Him and his entire family got saved. And through them, a church was started right there in Philippi. You know why? Because God is wise. God knows what he's doing. And when he allows things to come into our lives, folks, we need to understand he knows what he's doing. And it has to do with furthering his kingdom on this earth. We, we learn, if, if you read on in the book of Acts, that God did allow Paul to preach in Asia in his own timing. Later on, there in Ephesus, the apostle Paul said this, the, a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. He was talking to the Ephesians. Paul, oh, Paul had a door open to him in Ephesus because he recognized God's wisdom in his life. Amen. Now, how do we recognize God's wisdom? Once again, right here in the Bible. Amen. This right here has the riches of God's wisdom. You want to know what to do? What college I need to go to? Any of you young people asking that question? Yeah. You can go to your pastor and he'll give you some good advice. But I, but I can tell you that, and I, I know he will. And I, and I don't want to put down any advice that the pastor might ask. But I'm telling you, if you really want to know what college you want to go to, what person you want to marry, if you want to know which direction you want to go, start here in the book. Amen. Start here in the book because you know what? You can eliminate a lot of bad stuff just by reading the book. Just by reading the book, because God is wise. And if we delve into the book, he will fill us with his wisdom. He knows where we need to be, as well as when and how we need to get there. And you know what? God never guides us wrong. He never guides us wrong. So first of all, recognize God's authority in our lives. Number two, recognize God's wisdom in our lives. And then three... Recognize God's goodness in our lives. Amen. I mean, do I hear an amen? God is good. Yes, amen. God is good. Can anybody here ever look back and say, you know what? God was not good to me when he changed my plans or when he did something. He allowed something to happen in my family. He was not good. I don't think anybody here could literally, if you're a believer, you could look back and say, God was bad. Because God always is good. Time and time again, Paul found this to be true. You think Paul enjoyed being thrown into prison in Philippi? No. Do you think Paul enjoyed it when God said, I don't want you to go into Asia? Right there at the minute, right there on the minute when he got that vision, somehow that he wasn't going to Asia. Do you think Paul was, was just overjoyed at that? Probably not. Because Paul wanted to go and preach the gospel over there. He wanted to. But when he finally did make it to Troas, 
We understand that there in Troas, he met a young man. Who was the man that he met there? Anybody remember? Who wrote the book of, of Acts? Luke. Luke wrote the book of Acts. And right there in verse 10, I pay attention to these words right here. And when and after he, or the Apostle Paul, had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored. And from there on, we go to we instead of he. The author starts to include himself in Paul's travels. You know why? Because from that point on, Luke accompanied Paul. Paul met Luke there in Troas, and from there on, Luke started to accompany Paul. Now, why is that significant? Anybody here know what Luke was as a profession? He was what? He was a doctor. He was a physician. How many of you would like to have your own personal physician accompanying you wherever you go? I mean, listen, as a kid, you probably don't want anybody accompanying you. But as the older you get, you realize that it might be nice to have a physician accompanying you. And listen, the, the Apostle Paul had Luke there by his side until he died. When Paul was in prison in Rome, Luke was there. And he was ministering to Paul. And what a blessing it was. You know, and I, I believe this. I believe that if Paul had gone right instead of left and he'd gone into Asia, he would have preached the gospel. And probably people would have been saved. But he would have never had Luke. Sure. He would have never had Luke there by his side. Just a perk, folks. Just a, a blessing of obeying God's voice. Not only that, but then when Paul finally did make it over into Asia, just into, into Europe, over there into Macedonia, another blessing that he received. He started a church there in Philippi. We understand that, that he, he went to jail that night, but that God opened the door and he started a church. Now, what's so significant about that church? Any of you folks here ever, of course, you're going to say this about Eastside Baptist Church. This is a great church. Amen? Amen? Listen. As, as, as a missionary, my wife and I, we have been to a lot of churches. And there's churches out there that I can tell you that we, we like that church. And we, we like all of our churches. But then there's churches that we look back and we say, that is a great church. Amen. That was a great conference. This is one of them. We love this church. We love coming to Eastside Baptist Church. That's the reason I don't, I don't miss a furlough without coming if I can. I, we love to be at this church. This church has a lot of good memories for us. Amen. A lot of people that we remember personally. That's the way the Philippian church was to the Apostle Paul. Yeah, you're right. He loved that church. He loved that. That was a church that was special to him. You know why it was special to him? Because that church right there was kept up with Paul. They were always taking care of Paul. When Paul had a need, he could count on the Philippian church. They were there. He was the, he was the one to whom he said, not that I desire to give, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. You know why? Because that was the church that was always sending to Paul. Always helping him. Always showing their love and compassion for the apostle Paul. That was the Philippian church. And if he had not gone into Europe, he would not have had that church. See, God is good. And God always rewards faithfulness. He always rewards fidelity. And God's way always brings satisfaction. That's why in the end of Paul's life, when he was there in a prison cell in Rome, he wrote to Timothy, one of his protégés, and he said this in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. 
I've finished what God put me here to do. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know how Paul could say, I finished my course because he obeyed God. And when God changed his plans, he went where God wanted him to go. He couldn't look back on his life and say, you know what? That was incomplete. I should have done that. Paul's looked back and he said, I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. And the reason is, is because Paul was surrendered to God. And when God changed his plans, he didn't have a problem with it. What could that be said about us? Could that be said about us? To finish the story of William Borden, I didn't finish it a minute ago. But to finish the story of missionary William Borden, I quote Outreach Magazine. They said this, When the news of his death was cabled back to the United States, nearly every major American newspaper reported on it. CNN, NBC, CBS, they all reported on it. Imagine them doing that today, huh? Well, when the news of his death was cabled back to the United States, nearly every major American newspaper reported on it. As stated in his biography, a wave of sorrow went around the world. He not only gave up his fortune, but himself to be a missionary. Borden had walked away from his wealthy fortune to take the gospel of Jesus to the nations of the world. Most regarded it as a tragedy. However, God took the tragedy and did something far greater than Borden could ever do himself. When thousands of young men and women read Borden's story in the newspapers of America, it inspired them to leave all that they had and give their lives to reach the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow, what a story. It's interesting that when his parents in Chicago received his Bible after his death... They found these words penned and finished in Egypt just before his death at the age of 25. These three phrases, no reserve, no retreat, no regret. You know how William Borden could say that? Surrender. Surrender. Are you surrendered? Are you surrendered? You know what? Every missionary desires when he goes and preaches in a church. First of all, that people surrender their lives and, be, and get saved. Yeah. And then number two, that people surrender their lives to the gospel ministry. Yes, sir. Folks, there's a lot of awful, awful lot of good jobs out there. But there's nothing in the world like preaching the gospel. Amen. There is nothing in the world like being a pastor or a pastor's wife or a teacher of the gospel. Nothing better. So I want to encourage you not to settle for second best. Surrender your life to God and see what God will do in your life. Would you stand please for prayer? We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.